I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And uh it like it's not that I don't understand why this show is a failure. Like, but I don't understand how this ep- this show lasted three seasons. <laughs> All right, we we were just talking before we started, <sighs> and I said, no, no, let's just start with with that yeah. because this is these two episodes. The first one was just like how yeah. after this one. I mean, we've seen so many shows that Fox canceled. Yep. We've seen so many, like you know. How did this get three seasons? Well, that was USA Network, but yeah, like yeah, it was USA, yeah. And that was you know ten years after this, or eight years after this, or something. But it's like, how did this get three seasons? (laughs) Well, it was on at ten o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, no, actually, fun fact: um, the Fox Network has never had a ten o'clock hour. Uh, They've never had a third hour of prime time. They've been on for. Almost forty years, no, almost forty years now, and they've never had a fourth hour prime, a third hour prime time. They only do eight o'clock shows, nine o'clock shows, and they let their affiliates do whatever they want with the ten o'clock hour. That's part of the deal of becoming a Fox affiliate. Ah, okay. It, yeah. So it was a nine o'clock show, which is too early for this to be on television. <laughs> no kidding, because then if you do, if you live, if you watched it. And in then, Central, it, like, you, you live in Chicago. This friggin' thing's on at 8 p.m. That's insane. This, 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 this episode. <laughs> both this, of was, them. But both of them, but the first one was, was like, I was just going, oh, my God, how did they not? I know. Take, take these shows off the warm. They had to have had so many warnings on this. Oh and my God! I know. Just so, I would say uh, the word that comes to mind is gross. <laughs> it's it's gross. It's horrible. Oh, it's a horrible essay episode. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it isn't well written. It and is I'm not saying that it isn't structured, and I'm not saying, but it was so gross. It's gross and it's bleak. Oh, and there's no resolution. Nope. And it was just like, oh, okay. it's challenging to get through this episode of television. And like you say, oh. what I wish they had, put, what I wish they had put on the DVD as a special feature is here's the original warnings that aired before these hours of television. Because oh they must have been, ex- as you say, they must have been extreme warnings airing before these hours of television, right? I mean, and how the hell this got past the executives? Did Chris Carter not have to run this by anybody? That's what I'm thinking. Like, again, you have to understand, like, people don't understand now when Fox has, you know, succeeded in destroying America and nothing matters anymore. But there's a time when um, Fox was not thought of as an actual network. And two TV, sorry, three TV shows were entirely dependent, like, uh, sorry, entirely responsible for Fox being an actual network that people took seriously. And those three TV shows were, I know it's crazy to say, Married with Children, The Simpsons, and The X-Files. Well, Married with Children was fun, even if it is inappropriate. Horrifically sexist at times. Yeah, it's it's still a fun show. It was still a fun show. It was still a fun show. 
I'm not going to say we didn't watch Married with Children, but the point is those three shows made, like, built the Fox network. And there is an extent to which people now can't understand. We don't have monoculture anymore, okay? (laughs) Like, we don't have a thing where everyone watches the same TV show. I mean, every now and then, there's a flash in the pan, everybody's watching Game of Thrones, right? But that almost never happens anymore. That used to happen all the time, and... Like, the first show that Fox had that was a giant everyone's watching it hit was Married with Children, and then it had The Simpsons. But the thing about those were, like, one was an animated sitcom and one was a a low-rent comedy. The (laughs) X-Files was legitimacy for Fox. Yeah, and the X-Files everybody watched. Not only, yeah, it was, I would argue it was probably bigger than The Simpsons. It was bigger than Married with Children ever was. It was probably during its heyday bigger than The Simpsons. It, and it was a legitimate real TV show. Yeah. You know, it, it was fascinating huge. Characters, fascinating ideas. Yeah. It was still light enough. Yep, that anybody could just turn it on and have a good time. Like... And I mean, you can't you can't uh, oversell what a sex symbol David Duchovny was. <laughs> yes, to his detriment. Oh, to his de- it did not work out well for him. No, <laughs> but he was absolutely this absurdly you know popular sex symbol, David yep. Duchovny. So yeah, like it was it was a cultural phenomenon, and mm. in the same way, like everyone bought the minute Game of Thrones hit. Everybody bought up the rights to everything, you know, uh, George Martin ever wrote, right? Yeah. And tried to do and did like a season of Night Flyers. You know, the book Night Flyers is a season of television. The same thing happened with Chris Carter. They're like, do whatever you want. As long as we can market it as from the creator of the X-Files, we'll let you do something. And what he wanted to do was, well, yes. he had read all of the profiling books and he wanted to do that as a TV show. Well, not just that, but I mean, this was, this was, as you say, I mean, I, as we were saying, I just a, Yeah. I, like, I had forgotten <sighs> this one. Yeah. See, at one level, when you're watching it, yeah. at one level, after you've seen the whole thing, yeah. it is in some ways just a procedural catching a bomber. Well, catching, air quotes. Uh, yeah, air quotes. Yes, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's that kind of procedural. And in some ways, the second one is also very, very much. Well, and the weird part is, this is, I mean, I'm sure this is going to happen some more. But what the funny part about this, the two episodes we watched is, we can directly compare this to two episodes of Criminal Minds. <laughs> Pretty, pretty directly. I mean, it's a Richard Jewell episode, you know? That's what it is. And it's a reach. And just like the Criminal Minds episode, it's a what if Richard Jewell was guilty is, uh, is this episode. Like, what if the FBI was right about Richard Jewell? And except this episode is, how do I put this? Um, lacking the smug sense of self-satisfaction that the Criminal Minds episode had. Like... When this episode uh, asks, what if the the FBI was right about Richard Jewell? Um, it is lacking the the sense that the Criminal Minds episode had of trying to get even with somebody. This is just asking the question, uh, 
what would it be like? Like, what is the psychology? What is the experience of someone who would set off a bomb just to get attention for themselves? And the answer it comes up with is shrug. I don't know. Probably good that he's dead, though. Yeah, good that he's dead, though. <laughs> yeah, it was just, but it was, it was the, the the scene at the beginning, right? And I just going, oh my god! I don't listen to this. I'm gonna have to listen to this, and even, and you can't avoid listening nope. when you're, even when you watch it fast. Yeah. Oh no. Like there's no there's no way around. There's this. no way around listening to this man jerking off. Nope. That's what it they is. They put that on television. What we're talking about. Yeah. I mean the show makes it clear that's what's happening. Well, sure, because that he's jerking I... off into a napkin from the restaurant he's about to blow up. Yep. And you And know, he has an orgasm. When the bomb and he times it to have an orgasm as he's being hit by the blast wave of the explosion. Yeah. That's what this episode is. That horrible thing I just said, that's the first thing that happens in this episode. (laughs) No, and I'm just going, I'm going to have to watch the rest of this. I know. And I'm going, and it's just like, I'm going, I can't believe, you know, when they, when the, the guy, because what happens, of course, we see him at the beginning, mm-hmm. and he's watching the people's faces as as a bomb goes off. Yeah, and you're wondering, this is how you start off, and you're wondering, well, is he is he like Frank, and he can see things in the future? Is he or? imagining the apocalypse? Yeah, and and then, um, you know, then the waitress comes up to him and tells him that, well, he she, she needs the table for four people if his friends aren't coming. Yeah, could he? leave i mean she's nice about he just gets up and walks out Mm -hmm. okay and he walks out and he goes to a phone booth and he calls 911 and then 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 punches yeah five two six 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 five two two six 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 kaboom and um so and then you see him in a parking lot yep right and um and you see him uh, at that point. You just see him watching it and waiting. And you see the, and he's smoking a cigarette, and it blows up. Yeah. Okay. So that that's initially okay. So this is going to be one of those. Okay, how's this? And then we got move to Frank, and Frank and his wife and his daughter. He sees out. the bomb, and we get that wonderful moment where he sees that the bombs go off, and he starts packing before yeah. they call, because obviously they're going to call. Because obviously they're going to call, because his wife goes, "Well, why no?" Because they're in the kitchen, and he's making, as they say, scrapple. Yeah. Sunday morning leftovers, and they're planning sort of on their day, and it's really bright and it's sunny, and they're all having fun. And then there's this bang on the wall, on the window, and so he goes out to check it. It's a bird. Mm-hmm. The bird accidentally hit the window. I don't know how it killed itself, but it did. Some birds do. Yeah, I have birds on my front window periodically, but they're small birds, and they just kind yeah. of flit and careen off, and they're mm-hmm. fun. Um, so this bird is on the floor. He's still, it, the bird is still alive. They bring it in and then they have the news on and they Okay. Say, I'm just going to point out that once again, you've conflated the two episodes in your head. You're describing the start of kingdom come the starting of, 
the starting the start of kaboom is that they get the call in the bedroom and he starts packing. He gets starts packing before they go. We're gonna start talking about the the show (laughs) grappling. I don't know how you keep doing this. Not because they're too Especially because we record these like right after you watch the episodes. So I don't know what's happening here. No, I think I seem to be conflating the all the episodes. All of the home stuff, yeah. You know, and I it's all Anyway, never mind. Yes. All right. So, so. yeah, they turn on the TV. There's the bomb going off. Yeah. And he and he starts packing even before he gets the call because he knows they're going to want him on this. Yeah. Because because she says, well, she looks at him. She says, well, he she he says, but nobody's she says nobody's called you. They will. Yep. And of course they do while he's uh, while he's packing. Yes. And then off he goes because it comes on. She looks at it and goes, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. How long are you going to go on until he's caught? Mm-hmm. Because it happened in Washington, D.C. Yeah. In a, a bar that is frequent, a British pub, British style pub frequented by British diplomats. So, of course, the thought is maybe it's the IRA. Yeah. And so it that's works. that's huge. And in yeah. fact, when he gets there, they have three people. Uh, they have calls into 911. Uh, right. And... Uh, the first one. The first hot. one is Nazis. Yeah. The second one is uh, jihadists, and the joke is what what I love about both of the fake calls, right? The guys trying to claim responsibility because that's something that terrorist organizations do, and just scumbags do as they try to claim responsibility. Is both of them blame the Jews? Yeah, I know, eh? And and then you see for the bomb. The, so the guy who's in charge of the investigation looks at one of his guys and he says. Now there's no no militia activity going on, yeah. so that, that's wiped out. The jihadist is wiped out, and yeah. then you get the kaboom call. Yeah, and as he's as they point out, that's something the IRA used to do, which was just uh, to prove it was them. Send a code by pressing numbers into the phone yeah. instead of saying anything. You would yeah. just type out numbers into the phone through codes that you had you know told the government about, so they would know it was you. Yeah. And they also set a trap of lying in the press about what time the bomb went off. Yep. So that uh, if they got any information about it, they would have you that as an additional way of telling if people were legit, which is a smart thing to do. Yep. They're so, doing it all. Oh, and by the way, the guy in charge of the investigation is uh, our beloved uh, Hollis from, from Angel. Yeah. The old head of uh, <laughs> Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, Wolfram and Hart. Oh, we love him so much. Big fans of Angel here, in case it has never come up. No, I don't think it's ever come up. But. Yeah, why would it? But it's just, it's great seeing him, is my point. Uh, so. So, they, yes. So they do the, invest. so they start the investigation. Mm-hmm. Go over Frank, looking around, and then figures out, ah, oh, no, this guy's been watching from across the street. Yeah. In a parking garage. Mm-hmm. So he and Wolfram and Hart go up to the... The parking garage and investigate. Yeah, and they find the cigarettes, mm-hmm. and they're and they are oh, they're these ones that IRA guys would use. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, this is one guy, right? And then yep. and Wolfram and Hart goes over to the waste basket, and that's where they they find the <clears throat> the napkin in the question napkin in question that we've already discussed. No need to keep talking about that. Uh, and Frank then just goes, oh. 
this is just one guy. Yeah, and as he said, I mean, because his point is that, like, sexually motivated people tend not to get into, like, group crimes, and people doing it for political reasons don't stick around and watch. No. No. They just don't. Like, you don't stick around and watch unless you want to see it uh, people being hurt, and that's not why political people do it. Yeah. So... There, there, you've got it. No, this is a single. They go back. They have this. They've got to try and track him down. Mm-hmm. Frank S. Frank clearly plays. I mean, you can see the profiling thing. Like, if you were looking at sort of the profiling thing, this is a very good sort of example. Frank doesn't do the, let's do a profile. No, yep. no, no. He just kind of talks about it. And he says, yeah, okay. So this guy, he's probably planning more. Um yep. He's alone, but he wants to put himself into the investigation. Well, how's he going to do it? Well, no, he's probably got bugs all over the place. He's probably tapping our phones. All cell phones yeah. were were not to be used, except yeah. for Frank. So that the way op- they can absolutely, they can actually control what yeah. information this guy is getting, which is a very smart thing to do. Yeah, it was. It, it, it tracks. Mm-hmm. Don't have any complaints with the structure. And then Frank explains about the sexual thing. Mm-hmm. And that comes <laughs> to the part where you go, oh, do I Come have on. To, do I have, have to, watch to watch this? Do I have to watch this? Because yeah. you don't see him. You no. just hear him, his. Yeah, I know. We hear his excited gets, breathing. Right. And then you, and as we're watching the bomb, the pub blow up one more time right we've yep. watched more than once these people oh yeah anyway and sure enough the Ugh. guy Frank. Mm-hmm. and they have to track him yeah and they can't right away frank's got to keep him on the phone longer yeah and he's making another bomb mm-hmm and Frank, like, uh, and as Frank says, like, this is all his plan. Like, every every part of this, including getting in touch with us, is all part of his plan. Yeah. Like, whatever he wants to accomplish, right, this is contacting us and making us part of his game is central to whatever his plan is. So they can't be, like, they they have no idea how to throw off his game because... Everything they're doing is part of his game. Yeah. Yeah, it's and because he clearly knows all about how the police would respond and how the authorities would respond to this. Right down to exactly how long it takes to trace his cell phone calls. So he is hanging up when there is just seconds left every time. Yep. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a well done episode. Oh yeah, and he had he got his bomb experience because he was an explosive a specialist. Yep. In, in the service. Yeah. Yep. So the uh, the government taught him to do this. Yep. There you go. There's your little extra thing. You can uh, you can blame the government for this one, which Yeah, but we never really find out why driving what's driving him to want this sort of this attention this attention this fame i mean that's what they focus on 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like there's any motivational stuff other than he wants to be famous and he wants to blow people up. Well, and that's what I find so interesting is then we get that scene where uh, Catherine calls him, mm-hmm. right, uh, on his cell phone and he hangs up on her immediately because yeah. that's the only line it can listen to. The yeah. the killer can listen to. And so she uh, he has to call her back from the, the landline. But this leads to her overhearing. Yes. Oof. What's going on with his cell phone? The other guy phones. Yeah, exactly. He calls as he's on the phone with Catherine. So she overhears what's going on with this guy and is obviously doubly concerned. Well, cause... I yeah, you you would be. And of course, he knows her name now. Yep. So he can use that to taunt Frank. Yep. Right. And so they uh, they figure out what part of town he was in. They figure out basically what part of town he was in when he was making the calls. And he says he's going to have a bomb go off at nine tomorrow. Yep. Right? Yep. So, uh, so, yeah. So they're, they know what part of town it's going to be in, but they don't have any specific idea. So Frank, you know does what he does and he's down at that area and they're desperate to stop it and then a bomb goes off half an hour early yeah or 15 minutes or 15 early. you're right it's 15 minutes it's 15 early 15 minutes early right and they're like why and they don't understand it and so frank goes in and he realizes oh well, the guy phones uh, the guy phones him but frank realizes uh oh no like this is all going to yeah, there's going to be another bomb. This is just to get everybody's attention. Every start panicking and evacuating the building so he can blow up a bomb on the lower floor while people are evacuating the building. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's quite a plan this villain has. Yes, and it is. Yes, and it all works. And it all works. Frank even gets hit, caught in the blast. And yep. who drinks Frank to safety? Uh, the killer. Yes, well, we don't know that at this point. Oh, we do know that. We do know. We've seen his face. Yeah, we've seen his face already, yes. Yeah, we know it's the killer who's dragging. Frank doesn't know it. No. But while he's in the hospital, Catherine, of course, comes to see him. She is left, you know. Ah, and they solved the problem about Jordan. Yes, we finally find out uh, that Jordan, who Jordan is staying with when Catherine runs off to be with Frank, which is nice. Yes. Yeah, because that is the question we had last week. Yeah, we don't know who Amy is yet, but but there's an Amy she's staying with. So there you go. Uh, yes, that was that was nice because it did answer our question. But so she and then he's watching the, uh, he's watching the guy getting interviewed on television, right, about having pulled people out of the fire and being called a hero, and. The guy's like, uh, you know, the the bomber is going to get what's coming to him. And Frank is watching this and going, he's the guy. Yeah. And he confirms it by looking through all the footage they have, the photos from the the pub bombing. And they find a picture of him dragging people out of the pub bombing, too. And it turns out he works in the building. Exactly. You know, so, yeah, he had access. He knew exactly where to plant the bombs to have the effect he wanted. And it turns out he's an explosive expert from the special forces. So, yeah, they know he's their guy. 
They get a, they get a warrant to go search his house. They bust in. They find all the bomb making materials. They find all of his planning. They find all of his extra phones. But he is in the wind. He's gone. And Frank goes back to his car and he gets a phone call from the bomber who's watching Frank and saying that it's all wrapping up now. And the intimation is clearly there. I have planted in a bomb in your car while all of the, while all of everybody's attention was on my house. Yes, because they do in the house notice that there is probably another bomb. Oh yeah, there are there are all of the pieces necessary for her to. Um, there's evidence he has built a fourth bomb. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, and he, because I mean, it's just the way it is done. It is so. Dressed. Oh my God! This scene oh, of the two of them when he gets in, you know, and then the guy phones him. Oh. And Frank is going, "Oh shit! I didn't check for a bomb under my car or anything." Yep. Under the seat, and, the engine. Uh, I knew what I was dealing with, and it didn't occur to me. And and you can just see it going through his head. And mm-hmm. the guy, says, well, yeah, but this is you know going to be the end. And he turns on the lights on his car. Yeah, I don't know, truck, car, whatever. Whatever it is, so they'll so they'll know where he is. Yeah, so they'll know where he is, and he's got the detonator in his hand. Detonator in his hand. Yeah, which makes it difficult for snipers because they don't want to accidentally have him jerk and throw off. Everybody assumes that the bomb is in Frank's car. Mm -hmm. Everybody makes that assumption. And so they're listening in on the conversation and when it, you know, comes to a head and Frank is trying to talk him down or figure out who he is or just get something out of him. Yes. And all the guy wants is this attention and for the story to end the way he wants it to end. Because he always knew they were going to end up here. All of this has been part of his plan and he's like, this is it. And they shoot him in the back of the head. And then what do we find out? No bomb. No bomb. No bomb in either car. It was just nope. he just had a remote in his hand. It was a remote to nothing. Yep. <laughs> and then you get the news broadcast saying, uh, "Well, uh, you know, because the because the suspect has been killed, we don't suppose we're ever going to find out why. What was the reason behind? You know, what was the motivation behind the bombings? Well, technically, the motivation was behind the bombings was so that you would put him on the news and talk about why he did it." <laughs> Well, no, and that's... That so you is, would never stop thinking about him. They, that's the critique, because he's left a mystery. Yep. He's him? Yeah, exactly. He's forced never, them to never stop thinking books. about him. That's right. All these books are going to be written about mm-hmm. him now. And, and that's what he wanted. That's all he wanted. This episode. You know, and then, then you have the ending scene, right? Where it's, you know, um, well... Yeah, he got everything he wanted. Yeah. (laughs) We were just we were just part of his story and we played our roles and I guess now we go home. And that's the ending of this hour of television. (laughs) I'm going oh geez, it never lets up. No, not for a second. I do not know how it got three seasons. I, and I remember like the uh, the pilot was very had very high ratings, 
Just yeah. like, I I think we should check on um, Wikipedia or IMDb or whatever and see if, like, did the ratings drop precipitously week to week on this show? Like, when did people stop, start checking out of this show is the question I want to know. <laughs> is it is it when this man is masturbating into a napkin from the from the pub he blew up? You know, is that is that when people stopped watching this show? Like, what was the line? Yeah. That's something, you know what, we'll 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 get into that next week. <laughs> Cause <laughs> Oh damn this episode. And you compare it to the Criminal Minds episode, which is not a very good episode of Criminal Minds. Um, but the thing is it's it's interesting because that episode was so offensive in that it felt like they were like the FBI was humiliated by Richard Jewell. And so we're going to make an episode, you know, that's our fantasy about what if we were right to persecute Richard Jewell. Right. And not only that, like they go out of their way to emasculate and humiliate their Richard Jewell character over and over again and talk about how, you know, he's only doing this because he wasn't a real man, because he was trying to like the the <coughs> the he was married to a woman who was the widow of an actual man and he couldn't live with the humiliation every day of this woman and her daughter knowing that they used to have a real man in their lives and now they have just this pathetic thing and so he had to use the knowledge inherited from that real man to try and make himself look manly manly but he couldn't do it because he wasn't a real like it's so horrible in its presentation of the Richard Jewell character and again it feels like it feels like settling scores whereas this is okay but what if the FBI's profile was right and Richard Jewell was someone who just wanted who set up a bomb because he wanted the attention you get from stopping a bomb or rescuing people and they say okay well what kind of person would do that and what would be the the end game of that and then again the answer is you know shrug emoji yeah. Okay. Okay. I have got. Please. Syndicate syndication and cancellation. Okay. So the first pilot episode. Yeah. Was watched by seventeen point seven two million viewers. That's that is an insanely high number. That's fantastic. Okay. The second season premiere. Yeah. But had a total viewership of seven point seven five million. This is only in the United States. <laughs> wow. <laughs> million viewers over the first year that's incredible yeah and um but they renewed it for a third season and they, then it had declining viewership pessimistic force forecasts they benched it during its summer oh, I remember yeah. airing reruns of mad tv <laughs> instead ouch oh that's brutal yeah and, but then again i mean i hate to be like this but Who's going to watch an episode of Millennium twice? Yeah, and uh, it was canceled. It was canceled, ending on a cliffhanger, as we remember. Which, hey, we'll talk about it when we get there. But thank yeah, you for looking that up. No, I decided to look it up. FX Cable bought it for 20 to $25 million. That's not really relevant. Um, 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, NBC's Horror Channel put it on at 7 p.m. That's a little insane. That All right. So uh, the episode is a better take. Uh, I mean, obviously, nobody's doing the actual Richard Jewell story, which is 
Um, fun fact, a serial killer hated uh, black people and gay people. And he didn't like that there was inclusiveness at the Olympics. That the Olympics were, you know, in favor of, you know, all the cultures of the world coming together. He was just a white supremacist abortion clinic bomber. Like, that's just what he was. Spoiler alert, a lot of people against abortion are also white supremacists. Bet you didn't know that. Unless you watch the news. <laughs> God. Anyway. Uh, no, but the real guy. The real guy, it's important to remember, was was a Nazi. Richard Jewell. We did a whole on the movie. about the movie delightful movie but the thing about the movie is it doesn't tell you anything about eric rudolph the guy who actually did it that's right like the movie leaves out the story of eric rudolph because it's not about eric rudolph it's about what the fbi and the news yeah. did to richard jewell but yeah. eric rudolph real bad dude uh yeah. nazi abortion clinic bomber so there you go okay. uh, which again a big, big a big amount of overlap between the nazi community and the abortion clinic bombing community they uh they they I mean, I'm just saying Venn diagram tends to be a circle of those two communities. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the second episode, which again, you know, like what's what's our favorite episode of Criminal Minds? Uh, you know, <laughs> OK, maybe not our favorite, but Boyd Crowder killing a bunch of priests. It's up there. It's up there. We really love that episode. That that was a wonderful episode, partly because it was a total and complete run one off, but it gave us a real insight into Emily's backstory. It did. It really did. Like yeah. the kind of stuff that episode is doing where it like it forgets to ever explain why any of this is happening and it leaves you with the implication that he might actually have been possessed it by a did. demon. But it gives you, like, such a key to understanding who Emily is. Yeah. It really does. So, yeah. I was a very, very big fan of that episode. It gives you a fascinating key into who Emily is. Love, love, love that episode. But, uh, so this is very much the same, except somehow much more bleak. <laughs> oh, it is much, much worse. I mean, there was there was a, a sense in the in the Boyd Crowder one. Yeah, By the way, that's a justified. That's a justified reference. Um, and uh, you know, the, it was yes, it was dark and it was rainy and it was everything else. But this episode, first of all, it is not dark and rainy. No, nowhere in this episode. In fact, it is probably lit a little bit brighter whenever you're watching this guy. Yeah. All along, right? Like, it's yeah. Really well, it's. I mean, it's set in Southern California. Yeah, I know, but. But yeah, they have done. They have su gone to sunnier uh, locations in the past like and still really, been dark and rainy. Yes, or dark. Yeah, there's that that color thing that we keep talking about that they do. It's a little bit different in this episode, but when he goes in, right, and then talks. You know, he goes into confession, talks to the priests and says, you know, but you lied. And mm -hmm. the priest follows him out. and To try and communicate with him. To try and communicate with him because he seems to be so, so oh. broken. I mm -hmm. mean, the priest can pick up right away that he is broken. Oh, yeah. And you have the other priest and a choir singing off in the background. 
And he follows him out and he goes to talk to him and the guy hits him over the head and then burns him to death as a hero. Burns him at the stake. Jesus. Okay. Oh my God. And then we get Lindsay Krause showing up. Hey, Lindsay Krause is uh, another agent from the Millennium Group who used to work with Frank at the FBI. Yep. I love seeing Lindsay Krause show up. Yeah, but we see that. We have that picture that I've already talked to you about Sunday morning. They have Mm -hmm. to do it on Sunday morning, of course. Of course, because, you know, you don't work on Sundays. Yes, um, there was a time. I was thinking about that the other day before I watched this even. That, yeah, I mean, the world, Sunday, you couldn't so much as buy groceries in Canada. Nope. Like, Sunday was a closed day. Yeah. It's like Christmas Day. Nothing You, you could go to a drugstore, and that's no, it. No, 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 no. There was the odd corner store. There wasn't yeah. even a store open. When that's I amazing. When I was growing up, it was shut down, and there were restaurants open, and you could go after church and have a Sunday meal at a but restaurant. But that was pretty much it. But things were just, there was no cinema. There was nothing. It's kind of amazing to imagine that you could shut down a whole country on Sundays, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. They honestly, stores, I mean, I remember in my lifetime when Ottawa changed that stores could open on Sundays. Yeah. I mean, because again, um, in my lifetime, by the time I was born, it was, you know, necessary stores. Like... Like a giant supermarket or like I said, a drugstore could be open on Sunday, but like nothing else could open on Sundays. And that changed within my lifetime. Yeah. And what happened was they started by opening in the summers the, the um, and in the holiday seasons. Yeah. They would open them up, usually starting at 12. Up until recently, there were lots of places in Sault Ste. Marie that were only open from 12 to 5. <laughs> Grocery store next yep. to me is openly open till 4 on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. You know, my local Italian grocer. Yeah. Like they still take that stuff seriously. Our stuff was, was, but it, it. 11 to four, 11 to four, the grocery store next to me. Like it's still, it's still a thing. Yeah. He goes to mass in the morning, Sunday morning. And, um, so yeah, but it became optional then. If slowly, it just kind of. Culturally. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was culturally set aside gradually. Yeah, but all those big malls would be closed for the yeah. most Just open for a few hours in the afternoon. It's fascinating, yeah. you know, how this has all happened within our lifetimes. But yeah, like it's the the secularization. Yeah, and is, it, it just expands. Yeah. It spreads outwards. It's kind of fascinating. But anyway, that's a very minor. It's not what the episode is about, but it is just... Pointing out, this episode is about the de- how it's impossible to kill religion. So it's worth bringing up yes. that, like, even corporations and even shopping used to be beholden to the rules of the Sabbath or the ripoff of the Sabbath, taking Sunday off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And other than things like the steel plant. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, like, and the steel plant only stayed open because, like, you can't shut a steel plant down for a day. No. You have to keep the fires going twenty-four hours a day, or the steel, or it's hugely consequential to the operation of the plant. Like, just for practical reasons, you can't shut down a chemical plant or a steel plant or a power plant. Yeah, like they can't be done. Yeah. So, like, if you turn off the fires, you have to spend three weeks turning the fire fires back on. <laughs> 
No. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Again, but yeah, not yeah. quite that long, but almost. Almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you got to recheck all the pipes. You got to remember, because if those pipes oh, cool yeah. down, yeah. if those pipes cool down, bolts start popping out of those pipes. And not only that, right? Not only that, but when you had um, they, the, the huge, as they called them, ladles. Oh, God, that you dip in, right. Else, if those ever closed, they, yes, if those ever were shut down, because people worked on Christmas, even before unions, you yeah. kind of got extra money if you worked on Christmas. On, for example, Christmas or Easter or those special days, but it had to be, they, the fires had to be kept going. Mm-hmm. Because it would affect the bricking and everything else. Yeah, my dad was a legal liner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know. It's just but- an interest. it's an interesting question about that. But yeah, this episode is about how you can't get God out of your head. Yes, that's exactly. No matter, no matter what you try to do, you, once God is in your head, you can't get God out of your head. Yeah, but I tell you, I tell you. And this is extra funny for her because she's literally just pitched a book. About how you can't get God out of your head and how the God that gets put into your head when you're a kid affects you like a mind virus for the rest of your life. And for some reason, the religious book publisher she's got is uh, pushing back on that a little. Is pushing back on that. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. It's the only way it, it, to put on it. like it, It's no. the nicest way I can say it. Yes, it's the nicest way. And it is. It is the fact that when you are born... This is my argument, and this seems to... This episode certainly backs it up. This episode, I'm not the only one that thinks this way. Yeah. That, no... By the way, putting this episode of Millennium in your bibliography would be hilarious. Okay, I'll have to think about it. Yes, no, and actually, actually, I know exactly where it could go in my altered... My altered... Altered bibliography? Or your pitch? Altered pitch. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay, Millennium episode... (laughs) episode Kingdom Come, yeah. One, six, Kingdom Come, (laughs) four, footnotes. Yeah. (laughs) No, but seriously, I mean, it, it is this... You just once... My argument is that it is hardwired into the brain from birth. Yeah. Because if you are... Now, you have to be born... Into a religious context. Into a religion with a mono, into a monotheistic religious context. Yeah. So all I'm talking about is Christianity. Yes. Basically, right? Judaism, because, Islam, but yes, you're focusing on Christianity because that's where your expertise lies. But here's the thing that... The God in Christianity, the monotheistic God in Christianity, is very different than Allah. Of course. Yahweh, in some ways, in some respects. Mm-hmm. What it is, is a personal God. Yeah. And that's what, that's the problem for this man. Mm-hmm. Is that for all the things that have happened to him, and we find this as we're, you know, as we watch this episode, and it is grueling at some in some type places even though the lighting is lighter it's <laughs> like that yeah. last, the last the last person 
he kills. Oh and my God. You look at all of that and it's a bright sunny day and he's getting ready to go to a baptism and the whole thing, right? Um, so it's, it, you know, because. Yeah. And, and, to baptize his granddaughter, by the way, just to make yeah. it an extra, extra bit of bleakness. Yes. You know, and Frank actually calls him when, but the guy says, I've already let him in. Oh. Well, I let him in. Yeah. But still. Yeah. But, and his, I, I all I the point is, is there. Yeah. The point is there. And so it is, um, but yes. And this is what we find. Right, that this guy cannot get God out of his head. Yeah, and that's why he's and weak. because he because God is always there, he'll he never stops feeling that he was betrayed by God. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And and uh, trust me, the therapy twenty years ago wouldn't have been <laughs> deal with that. Neither nope. would. They would have given him pastoral counseling and whole oh, heaven forbid, right? Especially because he was a doctor it. of uh, he was a, a doctor of religious studies. Yeah, he was teaching religious studies in a local high school. Yeah, and but this horrible, horrible, horrible thing happened to him, mm-hmm. and because he was so religious, he couldn't could not square it with the belief, and he wanted to stop believing. And he couldn't stop believing, so he decided he was going to stop God by stopping God's, uh, by stopping God's messengers. Yeah, I think it's even, it's, it's even more complicated than that because he's, he's killing the people that baptize. Yeah, exactly. That are bringing people into it. You know, his children, I would assume one of them married him and his wife. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to, this is all, these are all personal and he can't stop feeling because this is why he said you lied. Now, the question is that never gets talked about because they just talk about God in a broad sense. Yeah. What what he's talking about is you're telling me God loves me and mm-hmm. God is in control of everything. This episode of Millennium is perfect. It is. For, for, you know, what I'm talking about. I wasn't joking when I said it should be on your bibliography. Not only that, maybe I'll use it as 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 an example. Yeah. Because what this is, is that you are raised, to, and what they tell you is that it's a God of love, and God cares for you, and God is... Sees everything, and God controls everything. God controls everything, so why did God do this, ultimately, yeah. right? Um, and what I would say is that, um, so God says, you know, God is in control. So why did God do this? There can't be a God if this happened to me because I have been faithful. Mm-hmm. I have been, I have done it all. Well, I mean, and he is, uh, but and that's the thing. It's like, he is literally a guy who we believe went into religious studies because he was so devout. Yes, it's not like someone like you who goes into it to understand the because you're fascinated by its effect on the world and to understand yourself. He went into it because he was so devout and because it is God and religion was his greatest passion in life. Yes. And so what happens, of course, is that is that this is why he says you lie. God is 
angry. God is vengeful. God is, he doesn't say all of this, but this is the implication. No, that's all the implication, clearly. Yes, and God God does whatever he feels like doing. God doesn't exist, but mm -hmm. he can't get him out of his head, and he's trying to. Yeah. He's trying to. He's Ultimately, he's trying to get God to strike him. If God really exists, he's trying to get God to strike him down dead. Yeah. Because that I, would at least give him some amount of peace. Yeah. Because that would create an orderly world. Yes. I mean, his world was turned upside down. I mean, we're just going to spoil the hell out of it. No, no, I mean, it's fine. It's it's fine. Don't because worry. This is a, you know, I mean. His I mean, this might be the best episode of Millennium so far. Yeah. Like, there hasn't been a bad episode of Millennium yet. This might be the best episode so far. And his wife and his daughter... and Burned he, to death in a house fire. They burned to death. He was badly injured mm -hmm. and burned, but survived in this house fire. Which Frank figures out because his fingerprints are badly scarred. Yeah. Frank, yeah. that's So Frank, he figures there has to be a backstory of tragedy yes. having to do with fire. Yes. And so then they can track it down. Because Frank's going, he's come home. Yeah. Oh, and I, I did like his logic of why he's coming home, which is that he tortures the last priest, right? Tortures him to death, even though minister? he, yeah, the minister, the uh, the minister, because he knew that the cops were, even though he knew uh, the cops were on the way, he still took the time to attack him with heated pliers. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, uh, all the medieval torture thing. Yeah, well, and as he points out, which... Hi, church. How did we allow there to keep being a church after he points out that he said, fun fact, at this time, uh, during the Inquisition, it was considered a sin for a priest to draw blood from their, from the people they were interrogating. So they heated all of the implements. So as they cut you with them, uh, the wounds would instantly be cauterized and you would burn instead of bleeding. Yep. Which is true. Like, that's a, that's a true thing. That's a true fact, he said. And how did people let there keep being a Catholic church? I, a church is all. Yeah, I mean, because it was the Protestants who, and the, and all of the Christianity just did this. Yeah. This was how you tortured. And. Oh, yeah. The his, the history of this is just, it, people tend to focus on female witches these days. Oh, yeah. But they did it to men. All you need to do, go read, go watch, I don't say read, you can read it too, but go watch Umberto Echoes, The Name of the Rose. Oh my God, masterpiece. You know where you have this, the one monk whose tongue has been cut out. Oh God. Because yeah. he was a heretic and he couldn't speak. Mm -hmm. and oh, hey, or just watch History of the World Part 1. Oh, <laughs> the Inquisition. Yeah. That beautiful, beautiful scene from the history of the world part one. Uh, so I, hate I, I know I, it's funny. I had a friend ask me, it's like, how do you know so much about the Inquisition? Well, I've been obsessed with it since I was five years old because of history of the world part one. Yeah. Well, you know, because I'm like, is that uh, and I'm like, what is this based on? And of course, I have a mother here who's, you know, a doctor of religious studies like, oh, yeah, that's based on a true story. No, I mean, this is Mel Brooks's way of handling religious... Of his, yeah, of his way oppression. of coping of yeah. with religious oppression. You know, but, I mean, you can't torque him out of anything. <laughs> oh, my God. You uh, can't torque him out of anything. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Best yeah. pun I've ever heard in my life. Bring you on the nose. 
Uh, yes, History of the World Part 1. It's magnificent. Uh, do not miss History of the World Part 1. Yeah, you can go on YouTube and it's, it's all... Just watch the music. Yeah, just watch the Inquisition from History of the World Part 1. Because I'm not saying the whole movie is great. Uh, obviously, the Gregory Hines part is fine. Him and, and the French Revolution is fine. But come on. <laughs> We're here for the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hate... That I don't teach medieval anymore. Because then you don't have an excuse to show it. I can usually find in one class somewhere... An excuse uh, to show the Inquisition from History of the World Part 1. It's hard, though. I can't. I mean, because they haven't really started the heresy trials. And they, I mean, they just wiped out Carthage. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, Because they were heretics. Yeah, heretics. Um, no, that's why they wiped out Carthage. Well, that was the second time. The third, oh, okay. You know, the, the, the second time was just North Africa and the problem. That brought us, that brought us the, um, oh, 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 oh the, the, I was going to say the penalty box, the confession. Oh, the confessional, yes. The confessional. That whole idea comes out of the... God's penalty first, box. Yeah, God's penalty box. The first, the first... The first um, knock at of North Africa brings us penance. Okay. Yeah. The second one, they just wipe out the Donatists. Period. Mm-hmm. Because, and I always, I always tell them, you know, in terms of an orderly society, if you accept their position, right, you've really got a problem. You know, and the position is. That a priest has to be perfect, yeah, for all of the sacraments to work. Yeah, if a priest isn't without sin, how can a priest absolve yours? Well, it's not just the obs, but this this goes to baptism, marriage. Of course, nothing would count if the priest wasn't a direct conduit to God. I understand. Yes, because grace flows from God through the priest to Mm -hmm. the child the adult everything yeah it's it's all that because this is sacramental ideology and or theology whatever you want to call it and it is um very problematic if you accept the donatist position because all of a sudden if you find like because okay here let's give you a contemporary example okay okay here's the contemporary example the Roman Catholic priests. Yeah. One of the things that upsets everybody, right, is that these these priests who have been found guilty of sexually abusing children. Mm-hmm. Right? So I can remember still one student, or you know, and she can do me, but I, I was baptized by that priest, right? This yeah. or if you hold the Donatus position, every baptism that that doesn't count. Doesn't yep. count. every marriage doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Every every final unction, the the final rites don't yep. don't nothing. Got a lot of people stuck in purgatory. The baptism against original sin doesn't. All of it doesn't count. If 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 you accept the Donatus position, and plenty of people do, and that well yes well they think, but that's not the Roman Catholic position. No. That's not Augustine's position. It's not the Roman Catholic position. And that's why, I mean, 
Augustine gave the gave gave his blessing to wiping him out. Yeah. I mean, people can argue with me, and I'm going, okay, yeah, let 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 me sit down, and I'll give it to you. Blah 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 blah. Um, but there yeah. are plenty of. I mean, as I always say. Uh, there are religious reasons for these wars and there are economic reasons for these wars, but uh, do not underestimate. I will agree with you that you do not underestimate the impact of religion on these wars. I mean, cause there's a part of me that whenever I talk, whenever people talk about the crusades and religious oppression, I'm like, yeah, but there was a lot of money in owning the last stop on the spice road. I'm not sure Christians were oppressed. Need to go. That's my point. Like, I think it is really has more to do with there's a lot of money to be made owning the last stop on the Spice Road than it is protecting the Christians of Jerusalem. Yeah, well, thank you, Urban. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this is, I know that this has been a digression and I apologize for that, but this is an episode that, again, it's a magnificent just a, from a yeah. forensic investigation standpoint. Every step makes perfect sense. But the themes of it are what make this episode so powerful and so interesting. Oh, it was so terrible because we, like, of course, have to talk about the dead bird. Oh, okay. We'll get to the dead bird in a second. We'll get to the dead bird in a second. There's something I want to talk about before the dead bird. Okay. Okay. One, the fact that, right, the episode, and this is beautiful, that the episode does this and you might not even notice that it's doing it is the episode over the course of the three victims strips away like the artifice of authority in the church. The first victim he finds in the confessional in a Catholic church yeah. and the guy is wearing his vestments. The second guy is a retired minister, right? Yeah. And he finds him on a golf course. Yep. And the third guy pointedly he finds in his underclothes. Yes. Again, it is stripping away the, like, the three stages of it strip away the idea that these are men of authority, that this authority is coming for God. Every one of them is more vulnerable than the last one is literally in his underwear because he's just a man. Yep. And it's like, how, and you look at this guy who's just an old man who literally, like, forgot to pick up his vestments at the dry cleaners. Yeah. Right? This week. And we're supposed to imagine... That, like, this is who you were getting revenge on God through? Yeah. It's such a, like, the, that staging of it is so impressive. And it's such a minor thing. You might not even notice it when you're watching the episode. But they get progressively less, you know, um, the progressively less authoritative. Uh, uh, authoritative. Yeah, thank you. Authoritative is the word I'm searching for. Thank you. And remember, With each victim he kills. Yeah. But remember, he these are the last. He's already killed three before. Yeah, three beforehand. And there was a three-year gap because he had uh, accidentally killed someone in a car crash. And he was in jail for three um, years. Yeah. Was he trying to kill himself and failed? Probably. Yep. But, you know, <laughs> God wouldn't take him then. So he went on killing. And that's that's the big problem. So he's in jail for five years, but he got out yeah. and yeah. started again. Honestly, then, it's the kind of situation where you want to go and write this guy's backstory and imagine that there's a scene where he, after killing these three priests that he killed the previous time, just like closed his eyes and took his hands on the wheel uh, off the wheel and put it in God's hands. Yeah. 
And instead of dying, other people died. Yeah. And he got to continue. And it's like, and God failed him once again. I mean, that's that's my backstory. But it it feels right to who he is. Yeah. And what he's, as I said, and what he's trying to do is he's basically daring God to punish him. Yeah. And I mean, he can't live without his wife and his daughter. Mm -hmm. He doesn't understand after a wonderful life what i was going to say earlier is i i wrote something called which is now called it was had this long title when i gave it (laughs) called psalm of anger to a patriarchal god yeah but the anger in that in that liturgical poem yeah i don't know how you would cite it um that piece of liturgy that psalm is that anger that raging anger at God for letting you down, for betraying you, for not keeping his, no, his His promise. promise. Yeah. Jesus made all these promises. Mm -hmm. And none of them have been fulfilled. None of them were fulfilled for this man. Yeah. He had a happy life. He had a happy wife. His daughter was was faithful. He is a lot. And I mean that in the sense of, you know, a lot. Oh, my God. Job. A Job. A Job. Yes. He is a Job. Yeah. You know, he is. He is a man who was faithful and who had everything taken from him. And yeah. he went the other way with it. Yes. Well, I'm I'm not sure that when God says, how dare you question me? I know. I was there before you were born and I can destroy you if I feel like it. So shut up. I know. It's not really the best response to Job now that you think about it. You know, I mean, Job's going, uh, you know, yeah, all I asked you was, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. So God, of course, feels guilty because he's, it's, you know, he can't tell him the real reason. So he just lashes out at Job. Yeah. Victim blaming one It's more right time. there. I mean, it's right there in the text. That's uh, honestly, the Job story tells you a lot about God's psychology, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A typical man. Yep. <laughs> Just won't accept responsibility for his actions. <laughs> yeah. When he had the power to give Job back everything, which he did. Which he does. prevented his anger and said, okay, well, yeah, you can have it all back again. Yeah. Not, you know, a new wife, bunch of kids. New wife, bunch of kids, yeah. new goats or whatever. I don't remember what his, everything. I don't know if it says what his livestock were. I like to think of them as goats. Goats and sheep. Goats and sheep. There you go. Probably. Based on the part of the world you live in? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no go- no pigs. No pigs. <laughs> oh, of course no pigs. Oh my god. Alright, so... I, but anyway. I never thought this episode would yeah. cause us to... Kind <laughs> to of laugh. laugh this I much? Assume. Yes. You know, it's just like, but this is... I can't believe it because I didn't see it when I finished watching it. Well, I was yeah. talking to my grandson. I mean, I finished watching it and the phone rings, right? And right. It's my grandson. So, um, you know, we got on to Game of Thrones. So Yeah. Yeah, it goes know, right out of your head. It kind of goes out of my head. But if I had thought, and I hadn't really thought, yeah. I mean, this is definitely, okay, so Chris Carter is working his stuff out. Because the episode ends with him saying, uh, because he can't keep doing this. So he just puts a bomb on himself and goes to a church to just kill, blow up everybody. He has has that gun. No, no, he also has a gun, but he's got a bomb wrapped around his chest, too. 
that he's going to oh, set off. Okay. Yeah. 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 He's going to shoot people, but, you know, he can't, st- they can't stop him because then he'll blow up. Yeah. And then Frank just walks in yeah. and I- tells him that you're never going to be rid of God. And that's all them. And like, and that punishing people, no matter how hard you do this, no matter how much you try to punish people, no matter how much you provoke it, God's not going anywhere. You're never going to be getting rid of him. And so he kills himself. He just shoots him in the head, self in the head, ending it all. Because that's where God was living. No, 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 no. Isn't yeah. he being walked out afterwards? He, sh- mm-hmm. I know he shoots. And you're assuming he killed himself. I I'm thought he did kill himself. No, he shot off. Because Frank said... He oh, was- you're right. Duh, duh. You I'm checking to make it. sure. Yeah, check to make sure. Because I think he's arrested and is being walked out of the church. Oh, like, no, you're right. He is. He just fires into the air. You're right. Yeah. He just fires into the air. Yeah, because Frank says to him, you cannot commit suicide. You're right. You can't commit suicide. Yeah, he fires into the air. No, no, he doesn't kill himself. He fires into the air because I I remembered it wrong. Yeah, yeah. that's my head. Because again, he's he's angry at God, so he fires his gun into the yeah. in a church. Yeah. Yes. And doesn't kill anybody. Um nobody But by, by the way, I guarantee I guarantee in the script he shot the Jesus statue and they wouldn't let them put that on television. <laughs> no, that would that would have been I guarantee that's what that was there in the script. And then the censors were like, nope. I don't think you can do that. <laughs> 100% we legally can't do that. We don't, uh, all of our money is being made by Married with Children and the Simpsons, so we don't like to talk about it. But we're the uh, company that's owned by right-wing extremist Christians. <laughs> As we slowly find out. As we gradually learn over the years. Who literally pulled the show Brimstone off the air because it was blasphemy. Yeah. That's true, by the way. You can look that up. Perfectly well-rated show. Everybody liked it. It was well-reviewed. But they thought it was blasphemous, so Fox pulled it off the air. Oh, well. There you go. Don't underestimate how nuts and evil Christian Fox is. I mean, again, now it's their public persona, because when people hear Fox, they only think of the news channel, which is, of course, an extremist right-wing Christian organization. But, yeah, the network's got a lot of that, too. They just like money, which is why they've let The Simpsons stick around so long. Well, yeah, but they took on Scientology, for example. Oh, no, they didn't take on Scientology. Sorry, that was uh, the other one. Millennium takes on Scientology. Oh, later on. No, no, I'm talking about uh, the other... Um, you know, the guys from the Mormon guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, South Park. Yeah, that's Comedy Central. That's Comedy Central, yeah. All right. So now to wrap up, since we've, you know, gone over the whole episode, let's talk about the bird. Yes. So the bird, the bird is still alive. For a few seconds. For a few seconds, but it dies. Yeah. And then they have to, you know, so, and then Jordan, of course, this is her first experience of death. Yeah. And what do they do? So this is the sub this is the other substrata to the to this whole show. Well no, and I mean this is this is what happens with every child in this context yeah. is their first experience with death is well, here's how religion works. <laughs> Yes. Well, because okay. spoiler alert, you can make the anthropological argument that that's why we created religion in the first place. 
is to explain, you know, how can we go from consciousness to not consciousness? Yeah. Where Then where did consciousness come from? If it can and just where go did away. It go? And where did it go? Yeah. And yeah. that's why we have religion. And so it is honestly the perfect subplot to have in this episode. Yes. And so they have to deal with, and of course, Catherine is, I don't think she handled it very well. Nope. She wants to know if the dog dies and if mommy and daddy are going to die. Or if cars die, which is, I thought was a nice one. Well, yes. But, oh, no, I can't tell that. No, No, you can't tell tell you that one after. after Yeah, no, that one's got to stay off the, that's got to stay off air. About cars dying, right? Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, my line would be, well, it's it, it's gone to the, 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 the graveyard in the sky. Right? Yeah, the junkyard in the sky. The junkyard in the sky, right? What the, you know, know. cars attached to a car. Okay. Ah, um, people feel that way. You know it. Yeah, people yeah, feel cars as extensions of themselves. Yes. And, um, you know, so it's, it, but it's all sorts of things like, you know, she was trees and everything else. Yeah. And she she tells them, and then she wants Frank to back her up, mm-hmm. right, on this issue. And, well, Frank, do you believe? Well, no, not really. I don't know. Um, we'll yeah. see how he feels at the end of the third season. But that's <laughs> the story, right? And he yeah. enjoys the show up on the X-Files. Mm-hmm. One last well, we'll talk about the X-Files. Ep- I mean, we are going to watch and cover the X-Files episode. We're not yeah. We're not insane. No. You know, so we, we are ethically required to cover the time and we're not going to give you any spoilers. If you haven't watched this, but Frank Black appears in the X-Files once we are going to discuss it. And that's all we're going to say about it for now. Yes. So anyway, right. So, yeah. So that they have that discussion. Yeah. And this is. And, and so, of course, that mirrors the episode, the episode that's happening. Mm-hmm. This guy who can't get God out of his head. Yeah. And Frank just kind of says, well, you know, when it comes up and they're talking. So, oh, Lindsay Krause, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they, he's talking with her about, you know, sort of, well, what do you do about God? Because they have that conversation. Yeah. I guess you kind of bring it up when it needs to be brought up. I don't know. No, we, we're not raising Jordan. We'll just deal with it if it comes up. Well, I'm going, okay, yes. But because you haven't raised the child that way, that child has no sense of, mm-hmm. of God. Now, may have some sense of divinity or whatever, or or some try, try to sort things out themselves without a script being given to them. Yeah. And that's that's the issue, right? And so they're they're raising her without a script. Yeah. And so eventually the idea is that they will figure it out for themselves one way or another. They can be, I mean, my generation did that. And Frank and, and Frank Black is my generation. You know, yep. we, kids, we believed certainly that, that our children would find their own way to, you know, if it was, if it was necessary, I can remember something. They would figure out religion themselves. Yeah. They would figure it out for themselves. I can remember, um, my friend Bruce going, yeah, but you know, um, you know, but if you don't give them God, well, and I'm, but, but you'll let them, ha- you know, they need that fantasy, that fantasy sort of thing. And you just give them Superman and stuff. I said, yeah, but they don't believe Superman is real. Yeah. And you don't give God to children if you don't think God is real. 
And that's and that's what your generation didn't understand is that uh, and in fact, nobody understood because the research didn't exist when you were coming up is we didn't understand neurobiology when you guys were making this decision. Yeah, we just thought, oh, you could always come to religion later. And it's like, no, that stuff's hardwired. That's that's pretty much that has to be hardwired at birth. The the idea of community. Mm -hmm. Right. And the idea to want to um, or to. To, to think about these things, like I always say, Jeff, when we do my class, I certainly hope that um, reincarnation exists because I want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the closer you get to that last 20 years or so, right? The more you think about that. The more you think, well, yeah, but I don't really want to go. Yeah. So, so hopefully reincarnation is true and I can come back and we, we would like to do it the Mimbari way, which means <laughs> that our souls come back and within the same configuration of all of the souls that, that we are intertwined with now. Exactly. But do I know? Of, of course, course not. That's not how, hey, knowing is not what we don't get to know. That's the problem. <laughs> As I said, after you're dead, you'll get to know or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just, it it is, sucks, um, but that's how it works. That's how it works. And we know, I mean, and that's what they. And by the way, that's what they're gra- that conversation, that stuff we're talking about. Yeah. That's what they're grappling with in this that's, episode. Yes, that's what they're grappling with. And the thing is, is that we also know from ethnobiology, like like archaeological biology, if you want to call it, but that that there seems to have been an adaptation, right? That religion served a useful purpose in evolution. Yeah, it has an evolutionary purpose of of creating community, which is yeah. critical, and it is true. And we are living with that nightmare as well, mm-hmm. right? That it does because you have this authority figure, yeah, of gods, whatever it is, and it of course depends on how you structure that those authority figures, those di- that those divinities determines the structure of your society well, but, and then keeps your society uniform and so yeah. of course in our globalized world today we are now in a mess yep religious with all of these uniform societies who are 100 percent sure that they're right pushing up against one another yeah. yeah if if all of the muslims were in the middle east and africa and all of the Christians were in Europe and America, you know, they didn't bump into each other. Yeah. So it didn't cause these big problems. But when your, you know, entire belief system is being around, you are right in the greatest possible stakes. Well, that can cause problems. I mean, honestly, look at this episode of television. This episode of television is low key about how, you know, the same instinct that made them tell their child, you know, uh, like the, that you have to comfort your child when they see a dead bird eventually leads to a serial killer killing a bunch of people in a church. Yeah. That's the same instinct that turned him into the truest believer. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating. I'm sorry. This is a really good episode of television. Yeah, no, it really is because it brings up a lot and it does it well. Like I don't have any complaints. qualms about its presentation of religion. No, of its and it yes, and that's exactly it. It there yeah. is, there is nothing to complain about here, unlike with Criminal Minds when it deals with religion. 
Yeah. You know, I'm it's always not great. Like, oh, geez. Guys, do your homework. Yep. Chris Carter, certainly, and these guys that are writing this have done their research, know what it is, or delving into their own souls, right? Yeah. That's what J. Michael Straczynski did when he created all of these different religions mm-hmm. in Babylon 5. It's him trying to figure out how to relate to the universe. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you know, and yes. And to understand all of these things and um, yeah, it, it, it is fascinating. We do it all the time. We still do it. And, you know, I mean, for me, I mean, the big thing was, and I've talked about that. I've written academic articles about it, but it is also personal. The God died. This mm-hmm. guy, God should have died, but God didn't die. Yeah. You know, because for God to die, and I, as I said, God died and nobody gave a funeral, is yeah. the title of this article in Pastoral Psychology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I keep trying to explain to people, I am not talking about saying anything about divinity. Nope. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm pure, I'm, don't, don't have a, what do they say? Don't have a, a dog in that fight. You are a devout agnostic. Of one sort or another, yep. You know, and um, I just know that the God that structured Western society is. Ha- has taken a powder. Yes. We have, we have uh, lost I, the organizing principle. Yes, but I wish that God really did take a powder. <laughs> yeah. It'll be life would be a lot easier. Well, no, like uh you'd wish that people it stopped. It would have been easier for this guy. Yeah, it would have. But oh God, God did take a powder. That's how he feels. Yeah, I oh, know, absolutely. That's that, at the that, core of what's going on with him in this episode. That 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 God has abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make sure other people aren't, you know, aren't caught up in this lie, aren't tricked. And uh, by the way, and what you always have to remember is, um, if you want to understand just how fundamental religion is to, you know, every living organism, I just want to remind everybody, it's it's pretty clear from people who study them that elephants have a religion. Yes, I know. They the first. It's just worth mentioning, if people yeah. haven't heard that episode, that the first sign you need to say a religion exists is funeral rites. Yeah. And elephants have funeral rites. I know. It's unreal. It's insane. But you can see, and people almost never see them because elephants, you know, are so big, they have no natural predators. So normally their funeral rites is when it's that time, they go to play the place where historically elephants go to die. Hence the term elephant graveyard, because they have a graveyard. But... If an elephant dies young, when they die when they're a calf because of an accident or a predator who gets them while young, they have a funeral. Yeah, and it is like, and there's that you can look at pictures of this. Like it, it happens. There are, and that is, I mean, again, ask, uh, you know, ask people who are experts on religion and the historical development of religions. The first thing you can say about how to develop a religion is, do you have funeral rites? And elephants do. It's it's a very, very strange phenomenon. It was, it is as, 
it was as astonishing to look at this and go, yeah, that's got to be. That's as a funeral. it was when they discovered that chimpanzees went to war. Yeah, they have organized wars. They have organized wars. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Right? That because it was always assumed that they didn't. That, no. that humanity was inventing this, but no. No, apparently our for our our four ancestors mothers, four ancestors also went to war. We yep. just find it. <laughs> opposable thumbs. Uh, and well, they have they have opposable brain. thumbs too, no, no, for the record. And an expanded brain. That's all you need to start having wars. To to just kind of yeah. moving on forward. Yeah. Keep inventing more ways to kill other people, the other. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the, by the way, the idea of the other is what we constantly have to be fighting against. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, we're all in this together, people. That's what you got to remember. All right. So, uh, this brought up a lot, this episode. <laughs> Your end is the reading, though. I know, right? We're going to stop it here, but this is really, Millennium's a special show. Yeah, it is. Now, I, I mean... I'm watching this and going, yeah, I know why we loved it. And I did. Yeah. It's re it really is incredible. And we're going to get to some bad stuff, but that doesn't matter. I mean, no. the writing and crap like that, but yeah, it took, there, it took a few U-turns. But honestly, like, I think people watching this show, if you're sitting down and watching this show and you're just watching a much more artistically rich version of Criminal Minds, like, because here's the thing about Criminal Minds. There's a lot we love about Criminal Minds, but fundamentally Criminal Minds looks like a show where they had to be done shooting in 10 days. It is lit flatly, right? It is blocked. It is blocked generically. It is lit flatly because that way you don't have to worry when you're editing. You don't have to worry about matching shadows when you're editing if everything has flat lighting, yeah. right? And that's why... You know, we start doing a jig every time we find out Matt Goobler is making an episode. <laughs> because here is a man who is going to say, I understand what my limitations are, and I'm going to work myself to the bone within those limitations to deliver, like, an episode where the visuals and the music all feed into the plot instead of being the medium through which the plot is delivered. Yes. Right? Where everything about this episode reinforces it. And then you turn on a show like Millennium, where that's happening every day, every week. Every week. Well, they gave him unlimited money, too, obviously. Clearly! <laughs> based on the stuff this show is doing. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so it's... It's incredible. And the thing is, it isn't just a better-looking Criminal Minds... This show is going deep into its subject every week. And when you see what next week's episode is about, um, I, we might go even longer next week. Yeah, because I tell you, you keep talking about an hour and I'm going, yeah, we're not making, we haven't been making an hour for quite a while. I know. It's this show. Honestly, when we get to Doomsday Defense, we might devote an entire episode to Doomsday Defense. When we get to somehow Satan got behind me, we might devote an entire hour just to somehow Satan got behind me. Yeah. Like, that's that's how in-depth some of these episodes are. Like, 
there's some really interesting stuff coming. And you and thought we could do three episodes. I, I, you know, I hadn't watched it in a lot of years. <laughs> oh, it's, no, it's an incredible show. So next week we're doing seven and eight. And I don't remember what seven is called, but I have never forgotten uh, the title of episode eight since I first saw it. Because episode eight is called The Well-Worn Lock. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you remember which episode oh, that is? The minute, the minute you say the title. Let's not talk about it. No, we're not going to talk about it. I'm just saying that is, by the way, that is a beautiful title. And it is, when you see what the episode is, it is a perfect title. But it's like, oh my God, such a title that like right in your head, the minute you hear the title, you're like, oh my God. Blood Relatives. Blood Relatives of Seven, the well, uh, the well Warren Lock is Eight. Oh, so yeah, we might go along next week too. <laughs> oh, well, it's Millennium. It's Millennium. It deserves it. Yeah. But yeah, this it's, it's so much better than the X-Files. <laughs> well, yeah, but the X-Files is fun. Oh, yeah, the episode this is a lot of fun. And then, uh, well, you know what? We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I forgot that Peter Outerbridge is the recurring cop in season three. How there's uh, there's an FBI agent who's always there, like, uh, telling Clea Scott she shouldn't be listening to Frank Blank. Frank, Frank Black. It's it's Peter Outerbridge. Um, okay, come on, stop it. I'm, I'm just stop saying. I, I show. <laughs> all right. I love Peter Outerbridge. I forgot it was him. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up here. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's uh, if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out, drop us line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Although we know uh, now that we found out about the existence of a show, I'm going to spend the next eight weeks trying to track down that show because we might already know what we're watching right after millennium yeah. uh but that that we won't spoil unless we can actually track it down uh, if you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher please be sure to rate and review that's how people find out about the show we'll see you back here next time for more millennium but until then i'll say that's right au revoir and have a good week 